Hello everyone, I am on here to talk to you guys about one of our affiliates, Culture of Life 1972. Culture of Life 1972 started in 2019 with a vision to design a fashion brand that celebrated all life. They care about the impact that style has on future generations. One by one, they are leading a fashion movement that protects and values life. It's simple, fashion should be good for you. You can head over to their website, col 1972.com and use our code those other girls 1972 to get 10% off of all of your purchases. They have cute clothes, jewelry and accessories available for everyone. All right, you guys, thanks so much. Can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture or victim culture? Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect our employers. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Those Are the Girls with Mallory and Friends. I'm Mallory. I'm Victoria. And we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. So today we have an amazing guest. I absolutely love her. Um, Really quick background on like how we met. So I had another podcast, Making No With Mal. I'll start that back up again eventually. But I have another podcast. Everybody should check that out. And um, I wanted to talk about the new age because I had been seeing for a while. um, I was like watching new age Christianity videos on YouTube. I have no idea why. It just like was a suggestion. So then I just started watching a bunch. And then I just started thinking about, you know, if you go into like hot topic or or even like Marshalls or stuff like that. There'll be like tiny new age things. And I'm like, wow, that's very interesting. But the biggest thing was um, I'm in a bunch of random Facebook entrepreneurship, women entrepreneurship, specifically women, female empowerment groups, because I am an entrepreneur and I'm, you know, trying to be motivated and the realities of men and women are different. And I want to like learn some tactics um, that would apply to me as a woman and apply to my audience as a woman. Anyway, so I'm in these Facebook groups and they're always talking about manifesting and there's always someone who says they can give you a reading. So I'm like, okay, this is definitely very popular. It is no longer like fringe. It's not like when they say that no one, even like with the reading thing, no one's like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing this. This is crazy. One or two people say it and they get kicked out of the group. So it's, yeah, it's mainstream is fringe is here. So I really wanted to talk about it. And um, so I posted on Facebook that I know, did anyone I'm friends with know anyone? And my Bible teacher, shout out Brian Henson um, from the 11th grade, went to the same seminary as you. Did you guys know each other? Uh, what's her name? Brian Henson. Oh, his name. Yeah. It rings a bell. Um, I'm not sure if I knew him. You know, I did most of my stuff online. I did, do, oh, okay. I did uh, do some four on-campus modules and I spoke at the conferences they had and he I, okay I, I may he may be a Facebook friend I'll have to check but he might be and he also um he helped put on conferences there too so you guys probably like have crossed uh, paths probably, we probably have met yeah in some way yeah 
And he suggested you. And then, you know, I did some research and I had you on the other one. And like I said earlier, you guys, my most listened to one, two, three, and four are part four of my interview with Marsha. Like parts one through four are one, two, three, four (laughs) on my most listened to. So this is going to be like, I cannot hype this woman up enough. She's very knowledgeable and I personally like this topic. I like to discuss it and to see like, what can we do also too? Cause we also want to be women of action. Anyway, let me read her bio and then we'll get started. So um, just so you know who we're speaking with, um, Marsha practiced as a professional astrologer for eight years. She took astrology classes for over two years. And after these studies, she passed a seven hour exam given by the Atlanta board of astrology examiners, a board set up by the city to formulate and grade exams to give, given to aspiring astrologers wishing to practice legally in the city of Atlanta. She later was a member of the board for four years and chairperson for three of those years. She was also active in the Metrolina Atlantic Astrological Society, serving as a president for one year. Before becoming an astrologer, Marsha was involved with various new age, occult, and Eastern beliefs and practices, including inner lightness consciousness, Tibetan Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, Hindu teachings, and meditation and psychic development classes. During this year, she also practiced uh, or she also participated in past life regression, numerology, tarot cards, spirit contact, seances, astral travel, and received a spiritual guide through a guided visualization. Being an astrologer and involved in the New Age as a cult community gave Marsha a diversity of friends and astrological clients, including witches slash pagans, New Age healers, psychics, palm readers, and card readers, Sufis, 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 followers of Ranish, Sai Baba, Mutagata, and other, <laughs> yep, other gurus. Um, so she has had, long story short, she has had a ton of experience with different people um, with this background. So she is very knowledgeable. And it's really, I'll, you can say your story in a second, but I do want to say this. I think it's really important to hear stories like this, um, especially someone who grew up Christian, went to Christian school, went to a Christian college, kind of not really, but like, and then went to a Christian grad school, but like has been inundated with Christians. I didn't meet my first non-Christian really until college. Like I, it blew my mind that like, I had never met anyone that was Muslim before. So like, I think it's really good to hear from someone who has been, um, who was in that uh, that life I guess because no matter what I say I can't talk about it the way you do and I really I hope that as Christians we can start being um stop doing secondhand like I feel like if I'm speaking on it I'm giving more of a secondhand account as a as opposed to a firsthand account and I want to start being better at that because you have a firsthand account I just I mean I just grew up Christian so yeah, one second, I for one, I want to say month, I was a DS because I was mad at God for something. So I said, oh, no, he and then, you know, that was just angsty high school Mallory. But that's <laughs> the extent of me. So I, I think it's really important to hear from someone who has been in that life and can give us firsthand. Anyway, Marsha, without further ado, can you tell us your uh, testimony, please? Sure. Thank you, Mallory. <laughs> Thanks for having me on as your guest again. Uh, yes, I, I'm going to give kind of a shortened version of it. It is on my website at christiananswersforthenewage.org. It's uh, my testimony uh, there is called a, a strange but true um, spiritual journey. And there are many podcasts where the whole thing is just my testimony in more detail. 
but basically I had been involved in the new age for many, many years and become a professional astrologer. I was doing um, a pretty much a Buddhist type of meditation every day. And I had tried other kinds, but I sort of settled on this Zen Buddhist type of meditation. Now it's mindfulness, which is now this big trend in the country where mm-hmm. they're doing it all everywhere in schools and businesses, et cetera. Um, so I was doing that and I was completely immersed in that world. Um, and all my friends, of course, were were in uh, different areas to those worlds too, you know, psychics and astrologers and tarot card readers and followers of these different gurus. Um, And I really was very hostile to Christianity, although when I was younger, I had exposure to church, but I had questioned it and rejected it by the time I was 15 or so. So that's what, you know, I started on this journey exploring everything um, really in college, but I really got into it after college. And so I, all that had led to this point where I was an active astrologer teaching astrology and uh, the Lord just basically intervened in my life. I mean, in this very, really, I consider it miraculous because there's no other explanation (laughs) for it, um, where I had this compulsion to go to a church and resisted it over a period of several months. I didn't know, understand why. I had this compulsion to go to a church. It made no sense to me at all. Uh, So I finally decided to go because I rationalized that it was from a previous life. I believed in reincarnation. So I believed I'd lived many lives. And I believed some of those lives had been Christian lives, that I had been a Christian before. And I thought this was probably leftover um, stuff from a Christian life that I needed to realize or confront or something. So that was my reason for finally doing it. And I went into a church, a large church where I had never been before. And I sat in the back at the end of a pew because I was going to leave after 15 or 20 minutes. That was my plan. (laughs) Yeah, that was my plan. That was not God's plan. So make plans and God laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man plans and God laughs. And so right at the beginning when the service is, I mean, the service actually hasn't started. This is kind of like the prelude. You know, they play music and and everyone was standing and they had a procession from the back of the church walking towards the front of the ministers and the choir. And at the very front was a young boy carrying a cross. And as he walked past uh, me, um, I had this experience of feeling what I call a waterfall of love falling on me from above. I knew it was a personal God telling me he loved me. Now, I didn't believe in a personal God. So I had these two, you know, opposing things in my head. One was my belief in who God was, which was he's kind of a force or an energy and everything came from God and everything goes back to God eventually versus this personal God telling me he loves me. Like those two don't go together. Mm -hmm. And I... (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't try to figure it out. I just because it was so overwhelming that I just kind of was was standing there experiencing it. Um, I ended up going back to that church because I just wanted to be there where that happened. 
And I got involved with a class there that was meeting. I was still doing my astrology. But within a few weeks, I got this impression God didn't like astrology and then uh, that he wanted me to give it up. So now here is, I didn't hear a voice, but it was very clear to me that God, this God who had revealed himself in, the, in that service was telling me I had to give it up. And I just, I just knew that I was going to have to do it. I mean, I didn't want to. But oh, I was like, sorry to pause for two seconds. Yeah. Why did you think that God wanted you to give it up? I didn't know. I, okay. um, later when I told people I had given, I wasn't doing astrology anymore. And they, and a few of them would ask me why I would say, I would say uh, somehow it was separating me from God. Oh, okay. And, um, I, I don't know how I came up with that answer, whether, I just thought that could be the only logical explanation, you know, I was, I know I'm not, I wasn't really clear. Um, I, you know, I had gotten that impression. God didn't like astrology. So I thought, okay, that's why he wants me to stop. It's some kind of, you know, barrier I have to get rid of, but I didn't totally understand, but it, this was just so powerful that I, you know, I did, I actually gave it up and yeah. Now, I had gone into the church service on Labor Day weekend, and I gave astrology up the night before Thanksgiving, and, and that year, Thanksgiving was towards the end of very end of November, so we're looking at, you know, something that happened almost, um, well, less than three months, but more than two months, maybe two and a half months later, so that's a fairly short time to go from being an astrologer and then through this process, giving it up. I mean, yeah, especially if it was know. your livelihood. I mean, that was my, your life. Yes, <laughs> my, my livelihood and everything. Um, now I was working part time in an office, but it was but it was for astrology. Uh, the oh, man wow. hired me to look at the birth data of the employees and to give him information and advice. This was secret, done secretly. Nobody there knew I was doing that. That's interesting. Is that a common practice? No, no. Oh, oh okay, okay. No, okay. I, I'm sure it's extremely rare. Okay, <laughs> I was like, wait, is all. that, <laughs> do we all need to be like asking our bosses? No, I, I doubt. <laughs> okay. I, I might be the only person that ever was secretly hired by a very secular, uh, actually government, state government agency wow. to do okay. that. Yeah. And he hired me as an independent contractor. I wasn't a regular employee through the system. Right. Because I mean, how would you even put that on there? Yeah. Well, like, yeah. yeah. yeah you so, you know, that's why I was hired as, as this independent right, you know, right. person. So I was there doing that. And of course, I knew I couldn't keep doing that. But at the time I made this decision, he was not there. He had taken this like six or eight week leave of absence and wasn't going to be back till January. So I didn't have to tell him anything. And he had just left like busy work for me. So um, I didn't have to say anything to him at the time, which was good because I was, I still wasn't a Christian. I, and I still didn't totally understand what was going on. I think it would have been very hard for me to explain this to him. Yeah. So what happened is, is that a few weeks later um, or a couple of weeks later, I started reading the Bible 
and I was reading Matthew chapter one, reading a little bit every night. And I finally got into chapter eight. This was a few days before Christmas. And I was reading a passage in Matthew eight. And as I was rereading it, God opened my eyes. And I, I, it's like, I saw who Jesus was for the first mm -hmm. time. I totally understood. It's like, he, it was like, a, you know, it was revealed. It was like, he was revealed to me. I saw who he was why I needed to believe in him as a savior, why I needed a savior, that I had been on the spiritual path my whole life that was leading me away from God and that I would have gone to hell if I had continued on that path. All of that was a realization I had and I just turned my life over to Christ. Um, now I found out, of course, my life changed radically at that point, at that point and afterwards, um, I found out later in that office, there was a young Christian man. Now I knew him and I knew he was a Christian and he was very nice to me. And he would often ask me questions about what I thought about different things. Like, what do you think of the current music, you know, and things like that. And I, I liked the fact that he wanted my opinion. So I would always tell him what I thought. <laughs> and <laughs> very nice. He never told me astrology was wrong. He knew I was an astrologer. He never actively tried to witness to me, but I found out in April. Now, April, I was saved right before Christmas. I told my boss in January when he came back, he was very nice and he kept me on with busy work. Oh, that is nice. I, so I was able to stay there a few more months until there was like a recession and then the tightening of the budget and my boss had to leave and I had to leave. So, uh, but until that point I was there. And so like in April, this young man came into my office and I told, I had gone and told him what had happened, but he hadn't said much at the time. So this time he came into my office and I said, I really can't believe that just a few months ago, I was an astrologer and now I'm a Christian. And he said, maybe somebody was praying for you. And I said, oh, no, I don't know anybody who would pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so he had this little smile on his face and then all of a sudden kind of hit me. You know, I said, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> me, duh, you know, and he said, Yes. He said, well, my fellowship, my young adult fellowship group at my church has been praying for you. They've been praying for me that whole previous year. Oh, that and, must have been great to hear. Oh, it Jeez. was. Yeah, it, it, it actually, it just blew me away. It really blew me away. I was such a new Christian and I had been in that. That church was a very open minded church. I wasn't getting solid biblical teaching there at all. And I actually had left it and had gone to another church that was a little bit better, but still was kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. So I was not grounded in scripture at this point. And um, I didn't understand. I didn't really understand what prayer was. I mean, I, I knew intellectually what prayer is and I prayed, but I really didn't understand what prayer was. And the, the concept of it is being part of your relationship with the Lord and everything. You know, I didn't, I, my, my, my understanding of it was extremely basic and, and um, incomplete, incomplete is the word I would use. So, but that just blew me away. Um, so I, I, you know, I think that part of it is very important for people to hear because it shows that God will often work behind the scenes 
mm-hmm. you know, through prayer. When you're praying for somebody, don't ever consider it to be a waste of time. You know, if you're if they're not reacting or you're not able to share the gospel with them or they seem very hostile to Christianity um, and just like they're totally, you know, like they're just totally going their way and nothing's going to change it. You do not know what's going on. You know, you don't know what God is maybe doing behind the scenes. So I think it's very important to understand that, you know, clearly God had put it on this young man's heart to pray for me. And he had brought this to his fellowship group and they, they all faithfully prayed every, every week. They met every week and they prayed for me. I'm sure they prayed for other people too, but they were praying for me. Yeah. So, you know, could God have reached me without that? Sure. God could reach me any way I want. He can reach anyone anyway. And he uses different ways to reach people. But it is so prayer is so important. And in my ministry, I've seen, you know, I've seen God work through prayer. So uh, that's a very important part because it's nobody, nobody came up and shared the gospel with me. And, and, and that was how I was saved. Now, a lot of people are saved that way when someone shares the gospel, but that didn't happen. I, it was when I was reading scripture, oh, my bottle thing. I'm sorry. It made it noise. Okay. startled me there. Um, uh, I was reading scripture and I was saved while reading that, but they had been praying for me all that year before that happened. So, you know, God just, uh, how, how God did it. We don't know. I just have the story to tell, but you know, that should be an encouragement to Christians who are praying for people. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was thinking. That's very encouraging. I have a couple of friends that I'm praying for um, that are just apathetic. And I think that's a huge problem we have, which is kind of leads me into like what a little bit we'll talk, we'll be talking about. I think that um, we have more of an apathy problem than we have anything. And I feel like when you're apathetic, you can kind of get involved in anything. Yeah. So if you don't believe that there's a heaven or a hell, or it's just like, oh, I don't really care about it, then it will be, it's easy for you to go to your friend's sage party. Cause you don't think it's anything real. And then you learn more about that and this, this, and that. Um, so Vic, did you have a question or do you want me to go into it? Yeah. I was just wondering, so like you said, you got into all this through mindfulness and I was a college athlete and they really had us focus on like mindfulness and meditation just to kind of help with like anxiety depression nerve do you believe mindfulness and meditation is actually a bad thing as a christian or do you think it's good practices but through a christian mindset because like i've done mindfulness help with my anxiety before well i don't know how you're doing it and sometimes things can be called mindfulness and they're actually not um Mm -hmm. mindfulness is uh, sitting still, breathing slowly. Sometimes you have to breathe. And with a Buddhist thing, you breathe a certain way. Um, well, not always, but you, you usually focus on your out breath. You are supposed to let thoughts, any thoughts that come to your mind, you're supposed to let them go. So anything that comes to your mind, you're just supposed to let it go. And there's certain ways you can, you can do that by visualizing certain things like thoughts or clouds and you see them passing. And, and if you sit there, it, it depends on the person, but for a certain period of time doing that, your mind goes into this sort of neutral state 
where actually your critical thinking is suspended and actually what you're in is a light hypnotic state. It's exact same state of mind you would get into under hypnosis. Hmm. Um, you're still aware of who you are and where you are. You're not out of it, but your mind is not functioning at the normal thinking level, at the critical thinking level. And therefore, and it becomes very open to anything anyone says, any suggestions, any ideas. They don't have to be saying it at that time. It could be something that you've heard before. Um, and you're just open to it. You're, you're receptive to it. Uh, that's the big danger of it. And, and also, there's several things I can say about this because starting in 2011, I think, I started on Facebook warning about mindfulness. I've probably done two or 300 Facebook posts on it. And I have four articles on it on my website. And I've done probably a dozen interviews, podcasts on mindfulness. So this is something I, I talk about a lot. I do a whole talk on it. So I don't want to take too much time. But since you asked the question and since it's so popular, I yeah. think it's good to address it. Um, so these, these uh, ideas or the promotions of it that it's going to help anxiety and make you feel calmer and everything, those are not based on sound science at all. Mm -hmm. the, the studies that were used to promote this initially were later looked at and found to be very flawed in their method methodology. A whole book was written on it called um, Buddha... I think it's called Buddha Mind. I read the book. You think I remember the title? I think for like a lot of the athletes, it was like Mindful Athlete, I believe was the book's name. Okay. Um, but I like play golf. And so for me to like just stop like overthinking and just let like my reflexes just kick in. Cause like, I mean, I've hit a golf ball so many times that it's just like the usual like walking for me to be honest right and so right. really trying to get it to where I'm not overthinking because I was having an issue of overthinking and so I would just kind of like clear my head not think about anything and just look at the ball and just hit it right that's not really mindfulness okay um that's that's like not overthinking which is not, <laughs> not the same thing and I, I kind of know what you mean because if you're so focused and you're overthinking that am I standing right oh is my you know, is my arm in the right position? Is my, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not a golfer. I've played golf, but I'm terrible. And, <laughs> you know, but you're, you know, you're always thinking about, well, okay, oh, I'm not standing. I've got this foot. Yeah. And well, for me, it was like, so oh my God. Yeah. For me, it was like, I see the water on the right. I could hit it in the water. That'd give me an extra stroke. Then I won't qualify. Oh, I can't hit it out of bounds. Like if I just block, it's going to go out of bounds. I can't hit it out of bounds. It was more oh, from like that aspect. It was like, like okay. Yeah, worries like worries. Yes, about, yes. It yeah. wasn't like, oh, where's my arm in this thing? It was like, oh, I can't hit it out of bounds. Like I'm so stressed. Like I like the fairway all of a sudden went from like a hundred yards wide to like ten. Yeah, and there's like water on the both sides. Like I have just like a bright where like a narrow like strip of land I have to hit it. I'm like, right. Okay, like I'm just gonna take a deep breath. I'm not gonna think. I'm just gonna like see it, feel it, believe it. Right. Yeah, if, if you're just, you're just, yeah, what you were doing is just eliminating the worries that were crowding into your mind and just focusing on what you were doing and just, you just kind of, you know, and, and seeing you do something and in sports, they, I know they do this where you visualize uh, what you're mm -hmm. going to do. Like if you're going to jump a hurdle, you know, then you, you see yourself jump the hurdle. That's a way of focusing. 
Now there's, there's two kinds of visualization. That one where you're seeing yourself jump the hurdle to help you focus is fine. And it helps, it helps people. Like seeing um, the golf ball go in yeah, the Yeah, or see the golf the ball go straight ahead or wherever you want it to go. Um, that's fine because that's just a way of focusing. Visualizing where you are imagining it, doing that in order to make it happen or in the belief that you're going to make it happen with your thought, that is new age. Actually, it's sorcery. Mm. So that's really occultic, but very common in the new age. And so visualizing something and thinking that by visualizing that you're going to make it happen, it's different from just the focusing. Um, and usually with a visualization, it's something that you do a lot of, so like you would maybe every day, um, you know, visualize yourself hitting the golf ball a certain way and see it in your mind and you would do it every day and you would do it in the belief that that was going to make you do it the correct way. Mm -hmm. Whereas just clearing your mind as, so you're not overthinking and not, not worried are as worried and seeing it in order to help you focus is different. So there's, yeah. those are two different things. And I try to explain that because some, I don't want people to think that they're doing something wrong when they're just focusing, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, that's, and that's not mindfulness, that's visualization, what we're talking about there. And mindfulness is this, is this where you're suspending your thinking faculties and what they found is there are actually a lot of negative, um, a lot of people had negative uh, things happen to them doing mindfulness. I mean, some of them had psychotic breaks. People, I've read many, many accounts of this. In fact, the one psychologist noticed there were so many negative results of doing mindfulness. She started a whole project called the Dark Night Project. And this started several years ago, I think maybe 2013 or 2014. I can't remember now. Um, and she started the Dark Night Project to talk about these negative results because people actually would have psychotic breaks. They would have dissociation where they no longer, they, they said, I don't know who I am anymore. Uh, what happens is your sense, your identity of self breaks down under mindfulness because the purpose of mindfulness is to break down your identity. That's the purpose of it. It's mm. not to be calm. It's not to deal with anxiety. It's not to be relaxed. <laughs> that is not the purpose. It's a, it's a Buddhist mindset. And the purpose is to cultivate detachment. First, you detach from your thoughts so that you recognize they are not yours and they aren't from you. They're just being generated but they're not from you. That's what you're supposed to, to come to a realization of. Then you come to a realization eventually that the self is not real. The self is just an identity you have latched onto out of convenience and because you think you have an individual self because in Buddhism, self does not exist. There is no self. So the whole purpose of mindfulness meditation is to detach, cultivate detachment, because that is the only way to be liberated. Otherwise, the reason you have rebirth and come back to, to this life is because you're attached to this life and you're attached to your identity as an individual. So in order, and they see that as a bad thing, because all life, Buddha said, all is suffering. All life here is suffering. 
So the only way to escape is to not have rebirth. And the way to do that is to cultivate detachment. And mindfulness is a, is a big part of it. I mean, there's other things too, but that's a big part of it. So this is designed specifically to break down your identity. So when I was reading about how people had these, these uh, breakdowns with, and, and say they didn't feel like they were a person anymore, they didn't feel like they knew who they were anymore, I, I was thinking, yeah, exactly. That's what it's supposed to do. <laughs> Only it's not supposed to do it really fast where you're like, you know, you're like going psych, having a psychotic episode, but that is the ultimate goal. And these, these forms of meditation are dangerous. I mean, Hindu, there are many Hindu meditations. Uh, Transcendental meditation is Hindu. That's also, there's a large following of that in the country. And that is also taught like in, in some schools and in prisons and in the military and to in vet programs, programs for veterans, um, as is mindfulness. They're both taught. Now, mindfulness is probably a little more popular because TM is a little more intricate and involved. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so this is not a way to relax. It's not the purpose of it. What I... So the other thing about this, and part of the reason why I wanted you to come and talk, is talking about how, for example, I had heard of mindfulness, meditation, all those things. And even when we, I've heard you talk about meditation um, on other podcasts and things like that, it's not what we're doing, but we're using these terms. So like what she was saying with mindfulness, isn't really mindfulness, it's clearing your mind. So I, I mean, I guess I wish there was just a way to maybe change the name or something like that. Cause my other thing is in my head, I'm thinking, okay, so I did mindfulness. The person was thinking, okay, I did mindfulness. Oh, well, here's this book on mind, uh, mindfulness too. So let me just learn more and go deeper and go deeper. And I feel like that's just kind of how it just permeates our culture. Cause it's, it's just a little, it's not the same, but for whatever reason, they're using the same name and it just kind of goes like that. So I think that's another reason why it's so important to figure out terms. Cause yeah, I think exactly. And in fact, you put your finger on it, Mallory. That's one of the ways the new age infiltrates the culture and has gone mainstream yeah because it often uses terms uh that might be familiar or sound familiar and people think it means one thing but it actually means another because you know when i did my posts on mindfulness or i finally stopped like uh, about 2019 because i had done so much on it i had nothing more to say <laughs> I, <laughs> I think i did one or two more posts after that but um I had done so much on it and, and people would say things like, but you know, what's wrong with being mindful? You know, and they're thinking about some mindful in terms of paying attention to something, yeah, being aware of something. Yeah. And so this is why this is the new age. This is often how it infiltrates and influences. It will use terms with another meaning or it will have its own term that people, and they take it for meaning something, and that's not what it means. And I'll give two examples of that. Wellness and holistic are both new age terms. They're from the new age. I used to never hear these terms outside of the new age. Never. Really? Wow. And now they are everywhere. I mean, the hospital three miles up the road from me has a little side street that you, that most people use to go up into the complex. It's a huge, it's one of the biggest hospitals in the state and it's called wellness Boulevard. 
And I mean, you know, when I saw that, I was like, oh, oy vey, you know, and I was like, oh, please call it something else, you know, yeah. wellness boulevard. So this, and I get, now I get an annual checkup for my doctor. It's called, it's not called the annual health exam. It's called the wellness check. Yeah. I hate it. Well, I next one, I'm going to tell my doctor what I think of it. It's not his, he doesn't <laughs> call it that. You know, I think the insurance company calls it that. The insurance companies have jumped on the bandwagon. And so wellness, now here's the problem with wellness. Wellness does not mean good health. Wellness means you are responsible for your health. Well, that's what wellness means. And so when something happens to you, what have you done to cause this? Mm -hmm. There's somewhere you've neglected something, you haven't eaten well, you haven't, you know, um, done your enough sleep, you haven't taken uh, times of rest. Now, yes, we can do things to harm our health, but wellness puts it all on you. And it's a, it's a mindset, it's a philosophy. It doesn't have to do with health. And it also includes what the new age calls spirit. So it's body, mind, spirit is another new age term that I used to not hear outside of the new age. And when they say spirit, they don't, it's not like we think as Christians, or maybe they're talking about soul or something. No, that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about the spiritual body, the spiritual self which they see in a very specific way. Um, they believe in, uh, in new age health and this, in this, and, new, and probably the new age is in the church and in the culture to the highest degree in the health areas, probably, mm -hmm. or one of the, one of, that's one of the areas, the most infiltrated by the new age. It's just everywhere now. And so, um, the spirit is like, if you're sick, then you have to treat the spiritual body, which is, uh, there are different terms for it. So it can be called the subtle body. And it's the invisible body within you that could include the chakras or the meridians, which are supposed channels for chi or ki, C-H-I or Q-I or K-I, which comes from Taoism. Uh, the chakras come from Hinduism, the meridians and chi and ki come from Taoism, but there's a lot of overlap in the beliefs, but the terms are different uh, with the Taoism and Hinduism. So uh, the chakras now, I, I have seen Christians use, talk about the chakras as though they're real. I really quick, not to cut you off, but I <laughs> looking for a nutritionist. I went to a holistic um, place one time oh. and she did the thing where she like pulled my arm down and like to tell me like what my vitamins needed. Oh, applied, like, what? applied kinesiology. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it was supposed to be this place that was going to help me like lose weight naturally, holistically. Yeah. yeah you got to everything from that. I tell people. Yeah. It was anybody, weird. Don't go to anybody that uses the term holistic. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're a Christian doctor. If they use that term, do not go to them. They have, they must, they have adopted somewhere along the way, some new age practices or views, or they may not be Christian. So you have to be very, very careful because holistic is that mind, body, spirit, all connected and yeah. having to treat the spiritual body or the invisible body. Also, the invisible body also extends beyond the physical body. So it's inside and it's outside. And that would include like the aura. So, you know, you have this energy healing where people don't touch you. And they're transmitting healing energy or they're calling up somehow the, the healing energy in your body is being called up 
to be released depending on the view that that they're using because there's different philosophies but energy healing is based on this invisible body and this whole body mind spirit thing and holistic that's what holistic means it means body mind spirit from the new age there's no there's no christian there's no Christian way to make holistic meaningful to a Christian. You just can't because the concept is it's a new age concept and worldview. Um, so I started warning about these words several years ago because I, I was seeing them getting more and more mainstream. <clears throat> and I mean, now they really are mainstream. So oh, yeah, it's everywhere. Every time I've been asked about some, I get a lot of uh, messages on Facebook or emails and they'll say, oh, you know, um, my sister's going to this healer, uh, you know, for her health problems. And it, I was kind of wondering about it because, you know, it looks a little strange or a little different. <laughs> and, you know, see, he's a holistic healer. He's a natural healer. Another thing to watch out for. And I, every time I've looked at it, there's been new age in it. They've either been new age or they're using new age concepts. The applied kinesiology. I want to say something about that because I'm asked about that a lot too. I want to say that kinesiology is a, a sound scientific concept, just the word kinesiology, which I think means the study of the way the muscles move in the body, the way it has to do with the, the body and how it moves and all that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not real familiar with, <laughs> with that area, but I know that that is a legitimate term. Applied kinesiology is different. Um, it's also sometimes called muscle testing. And I had that done to me in the new age. Like you would go into the little section. Um, I shopped and for a short time worked in a new age food co-op. And um, they had a little area where they sold all their herbs and everything. And I would go in there because I would wonder, well, should I take this herb or this herb? And they would do that. They would, they would have you hold it. And then they would press your arm down. They would have you press your arm down without holding it. And then you would hold it. And then you would hold the other one, you know, and, and then you had to see about the resistance that would supposedly tell you which one to take. Now think about yeah. it. Does that make any rational sense? It didn't. And I felt weird doing it. Um, and I was kind of confused, but that's what, the, do you think those people, like, do you think most people know that it is crazy or do you think it's like, Oh, well, I heard from so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so heard from so-and-so, another person heard from so-and-so. Do you think it's like yeah. malicious? Well, I think the people that have, that have it done to them and think it's okay, um, you know, are deceived and either they aren't thinking it through or they've been told something and they've accepted what they were told. The people doing it have to so? know that it's okay. not legitimate now, but I don't think it's malicious because it's okay. the belief system. They think the body has this intelligence and it will know what you which herb to take or which vitamin to take. So they think your body's going to know and it's going to tell them which one you should take by this test, applied kinesiology. I mean, there's different ways to do it, but that's one of the more common ways. Now, the problem is a lot of Christians do this. There are yeah. Christian practitioners. It was a Christian who recommended the place to me. Yeah. And a lot of Christian chiropractors. I warn about that too, because chiropractic is not metal, medical. So you have to be very, very careful. Chiro the new age is the chiropractic comes from, was started by a man who communicated with the dead. So it's not too surprising 
that chiropractic is is so new age. And when I was an astrologer, Life College of Chiro Life Chiropractic College, which is very famous, is in Atlanta, Georgia. I had a lot of clients from that school. And um, what we what we oh I'm sorry no it's not chiropractic it's massage that was <laughs> get them mixed up because they're both very new age life um, well, I think there is a chiropractic but there's a big massage school in Atlanta and I had clients from there I also had clients who were in the chiropractic program but anyway they what we would do with the massage people is we would trade so I would do their chart and then they would give me like two massages Oh. instead of paying me, you know, I would yeah. do like a barter. I didn't do that. A lot of it. Cause I really needed the money, but I would sometimes do bartering if they proposed it, or I thought they couldn't pay or whatever. I, so anyway, you got to really be careful. It's, it's not that, you know, here's the problem is that it ought, these things look helpful. Mm -hmm. I was about to say that. And there's nothing obviously bad about it. You know, there's yeah. nothing obviously evil. There's no label that says new age, you know, and then the new age is always like that. It's always an angel of light. It always looks helpful, positive. There's always a lot of anecdotes and stories to support it. Although there's never any science to support yeah. any of these things. So and the Bible says yeah. the devil is a deceiver. Yeah, exactly. And and if people really think about deception, deception means that you're accepting something because you either think it's good or you think it's true or both. It deception isn't, you know, something that looks horrible and repels you. Right. <laughs> you're not going to go for it. You know, you're yeah. like, no, I don't want to do that. That looks terrible or whatever. Or that sounds creepy. I'm, I'm not going to go to that person. So of course it's going to be it's going to be seductive because it's going to look good. The new age always looks good. It always has that positive life affirming appearance about it. And it's 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 very very deceptive because they will use terms that are scientific to make it sound scientific but it's just pseudoscience. So you have to really, you know, that's why I say, don't go to anybody non-medical for healing. I just, I, and make sure the medical person is not into the new age too, because some of them are. So you have to really be careful. And on the same mindset path, um, I was wondering your thoughts uh, on a current event that happened last weekend. Um, with, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the Travis Scott concert thing yes uh, well yes to some degree yes I did read somebody messaged me and asked me they sent me a link and to a YouTube video and they said have you you know do you have any thoughts on this and I that was the first I'd heard of it and I looked okay. at it and I just I watched like the first eight or nine minutes of and I said this is hokey this is totally hokey it's not yeah. satanic he's reading stuff into and I bet he's he's coming from a conspiracy mindset and then I read an article a few days later on how everyone's trying to tie this to satanic, you know, a satanic ritual or satanic themes and the portals and all these images. And no, it's not, it's not satanic. No, no, no. Here's another thing. Real Satanism is, is not obvious. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that. Cause I do think that right now we are in kind of like this as Christians, we're in this kind of like 
satanic panic almost thing. And we're kind of getting, and I think it's because people are concerned and they're anxious, but I do. And I've posted this on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it, but I posted that my opinion on everything was, I think that it's someone who's apathetic toward religion. And I think we have an apathy problem more than anything. I think it was someone who was apathetic toward religion and he knows that if he does all of this Satan imagery thing, he's going to become popular because we Christians are going to talk about it for days. I mean, it happened almost a week ago and we're still talking about it. And it, he probably thinks it looks kind of cool. And other people who are apathetic aren't going to think it's that big of a deal. So can we just talk about like possibly more of deception? Cause that's what I keep thinking. Like if the devil is so deceptive, he wouldn't do something so blatantly obvious. Yeah, yeah, that's and, and that's true. And I and you have to think in terms of how you have to go back and look at a lot of the performers going even back to the 60s who purposely did very provocative things uh, on their album covers or in their music. Now, a few of them, especially with the de- like death metal and some of the hard, real hard metal um hardcore metal uh, musicians like in Norway there was this there was kind of a hardcore metal music scene in Norway because I, I actually read a book on this where the followers did consider themselves followers of Satanism <laughs> but here's the thing they're kind of following their own idea of what Satanism is it's not part of a large network it's like these individuals who have these ideas what it means to be satanic and it's usually a rebellion against um authority or rebellion against god it's usually done out of for these musicians that and and a lot of musicians are sort of rebellious and a lot of the music starting in the the 60s was very rebellious (laughs) so naturally you're going to get these people who will do provocative things or have provocative imagery because it attracts attention and if you attract attention you probably sell more music Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what he was doing. I think so too. Purposely trying to be satanic or that he is a Satanist. I mean, I don't know him. So someone, someone on my Facebook and, you know, if you're listening, no shade to you. We just are disagreeing on this, but someone on my Facebook actually showed, uh, posted a video about how they saw fire coming from the audience, like how, like they believe hell opened up. No, that's yeah, that's, oh, that's hell, what the person hell doesn't exist yet. Hell is going. Hell doesn't exist yet. Oh. Unbelievers are in a in a in a holding place of torment because we know this from the the account Jesus gives in Luke sixteen about the beggar Lazarus and the rich man, and the you beggar know, goes to the Abraham's bosom, which some think was a Jewish euphemism, euphemism for God because they wouldn't say he went straight to God. I don't know. There's dispute on that, but anyway, he was in a he was in a good place wherever he was. <laughs> Whereas the rich man was in a place of torment and yeah. begging for water, you know, and then begging to send a message to his brothers to warn them, and he's told they have. You know, they have the prophets, they have Moses and the prophets, let them listen to them. That's the message. So in other words, they've already got the ability, they've been warned, you know, but, but it also shows he's in a place of torment and we know, um, and I know there's different end time views and I'm not getting into that at all. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) I wouldn't do a podcast on it anyway. expert in that at all <laughs> but there is a judgment and most christians believe the great white throne, throne judgment is a judgment of unbelievers 
that Christians go to the judgment seat of Christ for rewards, but not for salvation, because you're saved, you don't judge on whether you're saved or not after death. So the judgment at the great white throne is where God pronounces judgment on unbelievers. Um, and then it says that, you know, Satan and his angels are thrown into the lake of fire and all those who were not in the, in the book of life. So it sounds like that's when they're going to be put in oh. fire. Uh, whereas there's no reference to anything like that. Now, I, you know, we can't be sure of this. So I'm, right. I'm not saying it's just a, as, a theory. Yeah. As a, fine a secondary theory. issue. Yeah. Even. It's a secondary yeah. issue. It's a secondary issue. Yeah. But it, it seems to me that, you know, the word, and then you have confusion with the word hell, because actually there's different meanings of it. Like in the old Testament, a lot of times the word it just means the place of the dead. It's the place where the dead go based on Hades, which was the Greek place of the dead. So it's the, or it's the grave. It means the grave. So in the, um, what's the Nicene Creed or the Apostles Creed, it says Jesus went, descended to hell. It's, it means he went to the grave. Oh. So, you know, there's, and I know there's different views on that, but he went to the grave and then he came, went, you know, then he rose. It's about his resurrection, his death and resurrection. So we don't, there's nothing um, confirming that there is some kind of fiery hell right now. It sounds more like it's in the future. Okay. Um, I've never heard this theory yeah, before. But even if that's not true, even if I'm wrong, no, hell is, it didn't open up during the concert. Come on. I mean, I'm like, why? Yeah. Why would it? And here again, and this is another thing, actually, I think Satan uses these things. I think so too, but nobody ever, like, I, I try to express that and nobody listens to me. Continue. I know, nobody listens to me either, but I'm going to say it anyway, <laughs> or not many people listen. False Satanism gets people looking at the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. you, know how, you know how skilled magicians do their magic. They say, oh, okay, um, you know, I put the uh, coin in this hand and look, it's gone. Maybe they've done something to get that coin to disappear, right? But they have you focus somewhere else so you don't see what they're doing. This is, this is just a known thing for magic tricks. Satan does the same thing. He gets you focused on the wrong thing. Meanwhile, he's infiltrating for other things like what we've been talking about, the new age mindfulness, yep. new age holistic wellness yep. and, and other things, the Enneagram, everything like that. You know, then that stuff seems so good. Nobody's thinking that's bad. That's deceptive. That's satanic. But it is. It's satanic. It's evil. It's mm -hmm. really evil. This this concert, you know, sure, it may have uh, been. Uh, yeah, they're they're obviously looking into it. There's an investigation. Yeah, they, I'm they, sure the devil didn't have enough people there to right. the crowds, and there was uh, lots people of people died. People. Yeah, people died, and so obviously there are security issues maybe or other things that need to be put in place or maybe they need to limit the crowd or whatever so they're looking at it to see you know so they they can prevent something like that in the future um i don't think it had anything to do with satanism it just had to do with bad things happening with a huge crowd and what started the crowd rushing who knows just excitement i mean stampedes often happen with mm -hmm. i was almost in um actually in spain <laughs> When I visited my parents, my parents were living there when I was in college. And I can tell you 
uh, this had never happened to me before, but I went to the running of the bulls in Pamela. Oh. And you walk, you walk, you're up in the, you know, these stands and you watch along the road, these men are running from bulls. It's very, it's very exciting. <laughs> and then they all, what happens is all the bulls are led into a big stadium. And so then everybody goes to the stadium. So what you have are the stream of people going from the streets into the stadium all at the same time. And I mean, I didn't think about it. I just walked into the stadium and my father um, and my mother and my sister were there. And I can't remember where my mother and sister were, but my father was near, I was near him. And we were walking in, I can't remember if he's in front of me or behind me. All of a sudden the crowd pressed against me. I mean, it was just the volume of people and it pressed me up against the, there was a wall and it pressed me up so hard. I thought I was going, I was going to be crushed and I wouldn't be able to breathe. I have never been, that's one of the scariest moments of my life. I actually oh, wow. thought I was going to die and, or I thought I was going to fall and I would be, I would be stepped on. I mean, yeah. I was really at that moment, I was truly terrified. And I shouted to my father and he came over. He was a very large man. He came over and kind of pushed the people around me away and, and, and stood up against me, you know, to give me space um, to kind of keep the crowd from pressing on me. And I mean, honestly, I think maybe, you know, I don't know, but I think maybe he saved my life at that moment. I have never forgotten that. It was terrifying. And to yeah. this day, I don't like to be in, large in big crowds. To yeah. this day, I will not, I will not go anywhere where there's a large crowd. Now, so you won't be going to a concert. Yeah, I will be going to a concert. And, I, and of course, with COVID, you won't be in the mosh pit of the concert. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Got it. Oh, so, um, anyway, so I wanted to read yeah. that because I understand these things can happen very suddenly and for no good reason. And yeah. that's the way the crowd moves. So whatever caused that, and here, I think it's misdirection for us to focus on that. I think so too. Yeah. And ignore the real everyday evil that Christians are accepting. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think Satan uses that as misdirection. That's my, I think opinion. so. Yeah. I agree. I mean, the conversation, especially the first couple of days, was literally just like, if you don't think that this was a satanic ritual, you're blind and you're dumb and da 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 da. And it's like, that's not even, we're not even able to have a conversation to give an alternative opinion. And I mean, I should, and it's, and I think, I mean, switching back gears to like just different ways, we kind of talked about like, it, this went a different direction, but I think it's still good, um, the direction it went in. But switching back to that direction, just like there's so many things that are also in our everyday that we're ignoring. Um, so last thing, because we are almost at an hour. Uh, last thing I did want to talk about, though, uh, because I do think this is something that targets women. And then also to maybe end it um, with the talking a little bit more about how it targets women is manifestation. I know that I... Um, as a young entrepreneur woman, I am trying to um, learn different ways to not tap into my entrepreneur, but like just to be a good entrepreneur um, that works with women. Learn from others. Yep. Victoria always knows how to minimize what I'm trying to say. And um, everything that I, I feel like every time I go into any group, every time that I get really into um, an entrepreneur, then I'm like, okay, I like what she's doing. Well, let me just keep following her. Every single time, it always ends up 
Um, I'm thinking of one account specifically. I'm not going to call them out, but it's just this one that I love. They were good. They talked about going to school. They talked about um, owning your own business and it was super women focused. And yeah, we got this woman. And then the past, I want to say couple of months, she has, I'm saging tonight. This is what I've done for saging guys. I've laid out my crystals and in a, the last um, episode I listened to with her on her podcast, I just couldn't do it anymore. She was like, yeah. And you know, I was, I used to think this was all woo woo. She always says that I used to think it was all woo woo and I was so against it, but you guys, this stuff is real. Like you can do it. You can manifest your dream life. And it's like, oh, that's so frustrating. Why do you think that it just keeps targeting women. Why do you think that, why do you think, yeah, because I feel like it is purposely targeting women, not to be a victim or anything, but. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it does seem to be something that appeals to women more. Um, Yeah, at this whole manifestation thing, manifesting, actually, it means to bring something that's not in reality into reality. So whether it's an object or a situation, like whether you want a new car or a raise, or you just want, um, you know, you want to have success in your business, um, or something like that, something more abstract, you're, so the idea is you're going to manifest it, you're going to bring it into reality through certain techniques. And this actually uh, goes back to it doesn't, well, it goes even further back than this, but one of the huge influences on this culture in that area was the book and the video, The Secret. Yes, came out around 2006 or something. Oprah promoted it on her program. That's what made it so popular because the author Mm. is Australian. And I don't know how far it would have, maybe it would have been successful anyway, but when Oprah promoted it, that did it. Um, And Oprah was, of course, has always been very popular. I mean, initially she wasn't as popular as she was. It built up over time. But at that point, she was incredibly influential Um, And she had some of the people involved in the secret panel on her program. And I just happened to turn the TV on that day to her because every once in a while I I would watch and check out what what she was doing because I was following her and warning about her because I knew she was into new thought, new age stuff. And so I happened to catch it. And after the end of the program, which was like hugely popular, everybody there was like asking questions. She said, you know, I'm going to bring these people back next week. And, and she said the following week, she had them again. And she said, this is the first time I've ever repeated, had the same people on, you know, again. She said, wow. I've never done that before. And she said, but this was so popular and people are so interested. That's why I did it. And of course, then I, um, I got the book and I also had the video and I watched the video because it was actually first a video and then it was a book. And I had the book. I have two articles on the secret on my website. Now, what's the secret? The secret taught that there's like this three-step technique for you to, and I don't know if they use the word manifest. They may, I'm not, I don't remember, but you bring something into reality. You get your desire by um, thinking about it and believing it's going to happen. So you visualize it and you believe it's going to happen. And then there are other, there's steps you can do to, to make that. Like you can write, write it out. You can get pictures. Um, like if you want a new, a new house, then you can get pictures of houses that you like and you put them up on this board and you look at them every day and you say, and then you affirm it, you affirm it. 
this is my new house. You know, this is my new car. I am successful. My business is going to reach a million dollars this year, whatever it is. By doing that and believing it and affirming it, you're supposed to bring it into reality. This is actually, it comes from um, new thought. This is what new thought taught you. Now, new thought, have you ever heard that term? Yeah, I have. familiar. You're yeah. New thought was a uh, basically a, a movement in this country. It really started in the 18, 18th century, but it kind of got going in the 1800s. Uh, and the idea was it had different teachers. Um, Think and Grow Rich was one of the earlier books. And it's uh, essentially the thought. word of faith movement too, right? The well, word, the of, word faith? of faith movement was partially influenced by it, but it had other influences okay. in early charismatic movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's very similar things, but the theology in, in the word of faith is totally different from new. Oh, okay. They're not, okay. it's not the same theology, but the techniques are similar. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is they just Christianize it, you know, but they are still believing in Jesus and all of that. Yeah. But right. it is, it is, they do teach heretical things about God. Some of them like Kenneth Copeland teach, mm-hmm. teach that God has a body and things like that. So there's heresy in it. It's usually considered um, by apologists to be a cultic movement within the church, word of faith. Now, so new thought was this, this and, it, and it, what happened is it kind of coalesced into this movement and it produced a lot of books and a lot of thinkers um, there's a big, huge New Thought website where actually a lot of these books are online. They put them online. Um, and three churches came out of that. The Christian Science Church, the Church of Religious Science. So my mother grew up Christian Science. Oh. And my, yes. And my grandparents and uncle are still Christian Science. And my mom and her sister left. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they all- still were. Yeah, I can go all into Christian science uh, like wow. with you because like my mom had like esophagus problems and like they're like, We're, we won't see a doctor. We won't see a doctor. We just yes. believe God's going to heal us. Right. Same with my grandfather. He died from, I can't remember if it was colon or prostrate and because he was like pooping blood, but it's like, God's going to heal me. Same when he got yeah. diagnosed with diabetes, like God's going to heal me. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah, they don't believe. And, and Mary Baker Eddy, who founded Christian Science Church, she she took new thought ideas and then she also put her own ideas into it. Yes. Christian Science is a little different from Unity and Church of Religious Science, but it has some of the similar, there's similar elements. And one of them is that all that exists is the mind of God. That's all that exists. Nothing else actually exists. So pain. Yeah, because they really don't believe exist. in like jesus or anything no yeah, like not no. at all they only believe in like oh i didn't know they didn't even the believe in Old jesus. testament and then whatever she wrote yeah they're uh, yeah and, and then the thing is about the thing about new thought is that it calls itself christian and it uses the bible so you can see that in the name christian science you know and mm-hmm. they'll say they'll say people like in unity churches will say they're christians yeah so it's very deceptive and people are yeah. like, what? Because then they'll talk about Jesus and they'll think, oh, well, maybe, maybe, maybe he really is a Christian. No, no, not if he's in uni- the unity church. Yeah. So Christian science taught that pain and illness don't really exist. So you have to get, you have to harmonize your thinking with the thinking of the mind of God. And then 
you'll be healed because you'll realize this if you if you understand it's not real or come to that you won't have those symptoms anymore that's why they refuse medical care um now mm -hmm. unity and religious science i don't think do that they don't quite go into that arena of it um they have a kind of a different spin on it but they also teach that um, all of them teach that we all have this divine nature and we're all naturally divine. We're all, we've never been separated from God. Uh, Unity teaches Jesus was a wise spiritual master and he taught, he came here to teach us how to perceive reality because we're perceiving reality wrong and we need to see what reality actually is and that's what he and one of the things they use they misuse this quotation from the king james bible the kingdom of god is within you and they'll that's one of their big teachings um and so they're like see the kingdom of god is within everybody and of course that's taking it out of context Jesus mm -hmm. said that to the pharisees who were rejecting him and the actual better translation is the kingdom of god is within your midst because they were asking about the kingdom and he's like the, it's like here i am the messiah i'm the one who ushers in the kingdom i'm right here in your face and you you are not seeing it that's it was really a rebuke to them so heart jesus is going to hardly say that to the pharisees who are rejecting him he's not going to tell them that you know, <laughs> god is within them but they take that one thing and other things from the bible and completely misuse it um and so new thought is a very deceptive the new age new thought is one of the three major roots of the new age new new age took a lot of new thought teachings it just it just absorbed a lot of new thought now there's still distinct movements new thought still exists distinct from the new age and there's a lot of people in new thought who will go to great lengths to say we're uh, we're not new age our church is not new age i'm not new age but in the new age, you will find ideas that you see in new thought, like Matt, like the secret, like you can make something happen mm -hmm. in your mind. Mm -hmm. You'll find the same ideas of Jesus that he understood when he understood who he was, he reached Christ consciousness. This is what Oprah believed. She believed mm -hmm. she had been influenced by a, um, a book by a unity minister named Eric Butterworth. And it's a book called Discover the Power Within You, which I actually got the book when I found out that was one of her favorite books. And she referred to it and I read it. And it's, it's very much this kind of thinking. And that's her thinking. Jesus came to show us how to reach Christ consciousness. So that's, you know, I, I consider Oprah more new thought than new age, but okay. she promotes a lot of new agers on her program. Yeah. So this is new thought. This is what manifesting is from. This is what it is, and, and it's completely contrary to Christianity because it is assuming you have some kind of divine power to bring something into reality, which is only something God can do. And it's actually a technique of sorcery. It's actually sorcery because sorcery teaches, um, you know, these, uh, they don't, people who do sorcery don't use that word. <laughs> <laughs> they don't say most of them they don't say they're doing sorcery they say they're doing magic or they're doing ritual magic or something like that um but they teach you visualize it and you you know you see it if you have to see it before you can actually bring it about so it's a technique used in, in sorcery 
So this is, it's, so it's very, it's very contrary to Christianity to do this. And people who try to Christianize it are just, they're, they're, they're deceived and they're deceiving other people. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, just to wrap it up, I really want to talk about so much more, but um, <laughs> we, we try to keep it. Well, at this point, we try to keep between an hour and 30, depending. I feel like we've given up on this. <laughs> no, like there's, I actually have a few other things I want to talk about. But we can talk about another episode, but I do want to say this just to uh, close it out is the last things you were talking about. I, and I love how I mean, even when you were talking about hell, which I had never heard that theory on hell, like you had scripture to back up everything. And I was thinking in my head, I was like, well, I don't know if that's right. But then I was like, well, I don't really have a scripture to back it up, but you do. So I think this is just so important for all of us, everybody listening, that we need to learn scripture. Like we need to be able to say, when someone says something, we need to do better at being able to say scripture to back up what we have to say. I think that's, I mean, that's my biggest takeaway from this whole conversation is like even having, like even um, like having conversations with our friends, with our friends that aren't even Christian, we should be able to say, or specifically the ones that are Christians though, but we should be able to like have the Bible in our hearts, like the Bible says, to put it in your heart to be able to express why this is wrong, why that is wrong. Um, But yeah, so actual last and final question um we are starting to do this thing now where if um every single girl in the entire world was looking at you right now and (laughs) they wanted advice what advice would you give them okay are these christians non-christians or um they can be let's I don't know. Let's do Christian. Let's do Christians. Okay. I mean, that's what our audience is. Yeah, that's our audience. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I would say, I would repeat what you say in a way and say, get really grounded in scripture, get really grounded in it, learn how to interpret it correctly. You know, don't take it, which means you don't take it out of context and you compare scripture with scripture and learn from people who know the Bible well, who are respected, who, who are credible, good, credible Bible teachers. And, you know, really try it. The more I think you study and read scripture, the more your, your worldview based on scripture will build up. Mm-hmm. And when you have that foundation, the Bible's a foundation, and you build up that worldview, you are able to exercise discernment. Discernment is hard to exercise if you don't know the Bible. Now, the Holy Spirit does, and I know from people telling me this, and it's happened to me, where the Holy Spirit will kind of um, like nudge me if there's something off. You know, it's like, um, it's like, oh, there's that just doesn't sound right, or there's something off about what this person is saying. I don't know what it is. And I think sometimes, I mean, that's the Holy spirit. I think um, giving the person a warning, you know, this is something you better check out. So I do think that happens, but we have to follow through and we have to know why doesn't this check out? Why is this teaching wrong? Why is it not biblical? Why is it contrary to Christ? Because just knowing maybe it's bad, okay, then you go on your way and then you don't really understand. So then something else comes along and you might fall for it. Um, Or you might try to explain it away if you get this little nudge. Um, I've heard people call it a check in the spirit. You know, I had my, I had a check in the spirit when I heard this woman talk. 
Yeah. I didn't know what she was saying was wrong, but I just had this check in my spirit. And I think that's the nudge from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But, you know, some people can talk that away. You can't ignore the Holy Spirit if you want to. And you can just, if it's something appealing to you, you can be, you can start rationalizing it and saying, well, you know, but that's not really so bad because I mean, he's talking about, he's using scripture and he's talking about God and he's giving scripture. And maybe this is just a, a something I haven't seen before. This is a new way of looking at that, that passage or whatever. And then you can start talking yourself into it if it appeals to you. That's the problem. And that's the Bible says, you know, we sin for, we don't sin then, but what leads to sin is this idea we get you know, or this desire that leads us in the wrong direction, and then we ignore the warnings. So it's really important to know scripture and to be aware. The other thing I would say is to be aware that usually what is deceptive looks good, which I said earlier, I, mm -hmm. I would repeat that, that the things that look evil are not what we really need to worry about that much in most cases, but the things that seem good or that have have become or made to seem harmless and they really aren't that's what we need to watch out for yeah so uh just be aware that deception. you never. that's why deception works because you don't think it is deception <laughs> that's like, yeah that's exactly why it works because yeah. like you didn't you don't think it's a deceptive you think it's true or something um so you know satan's very very crafty and he's very good at knowing how to deceive because he's had a long time to study human nature and observe us. And he's very good at deception. I mean, Jesus said that. Jesus said he's the father of lies. And he's come to, you know, steal, kill, and destroy. He's not, he's not going to offer you anything that will be for your good. But you're yeah. going to think it's for your good. Yeah, that was great. Thank you so much for coming sure. on. Sure, um, every, everyone, make sure you go to your, what's your website? ChristianAnswersForTheNewAge.org. And I also have, if you're on Facebook, um, I have a ministry page called Christian Answers for the New Age. And I do post there quite a lot of posts. Then you can like and follow that. <laughs> page yes and i'll link everything and and i honestly like i really do want to have you back because i do have a couple more questions i want to talk about um but like oh, last time too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah well because i mean last time we did it um we talked for i think it was four hours like legitimately yeah. i was like da -da 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 -da, but we're not gonna do that this time um but <laughs> um thank you so much for coming on and i just i really hope everyone um um, can check out her website, check out her Facebook page, because these things are really important, especially in this time that we're in and about deception and just we're going about our everyday lives and these things are popping up and coming through. And we just need to make sure that we are tuned into the word. And yeah. I think we also need to make sure that we um, are able to like you said, like, I really like what you said about um, sometimes you can like ignore that check in your spirit. Like I, we really if we're tuning in the word, we'll fill the check in the spirit. And then 
a verse will come and be like, okay, that's not what we need to do. So I just think that these conversations are super important. I know I learned something. Vic, I'm pretty sure learned something. I mean, the look on her face said she learned some stuff. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so everyone, if you like this episode, please make sure you rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends. I think this is a really good um, episode to just share with your friends, even if they aren't Christians, because I do think it's an episode just for people to be aware. Because even if you're not a Christian, I think this is good information just to, you know, have in your back pocket. And also to, this is a good one to remind you to pray for your friends that aren't Christians as well, because we see that God can change and he's working even when we don't, like the song says, even when we don't see it, he's working. yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody have a good rest of your day. Bye. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram at Those Other Girls Podcast and on Twitter at TOG underscore podcast. Those are the girls changing culture and bringing back traditional values.